0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera. joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman. On today's episode, we have a special guest. Joining us today, NWSLPA president, Washington Spirit midfielder, and vital part of the search committee for the newest NWSL commissioner, Tori Huster, joining us on Attacking Third today. Tori, how are you? Pretty good.
0: Yeah, I can't complain. Um, lots of good news coming out this year for NWSL, so super excited and happy to be here on the podcast.
1: Yeah, we're excited to, to have you. We were chatting a little bit off mic about all the action that's happening across NWSL Uh, biggest one is obviously the the new announcement of new commissioner Jessica Berman and uh, we actually got to speak with the new commissioner on Wednesday and uh, she chatted a little bit with us on Attacking Third about how impressed and excited she was uh, with how many players were involved in the ongoing search for a new commissioner Uh, for you yourself as NWSL Players Association president uh, what was your role uh, within this uh, player search committee for a new commissioner
0: yeah, my role was similar to the other players. Um, I got the chance to um interview the final candidates, four candidates um, that had been narrowed down in a in a very good process. Um, we were also very aware of the process that had taken place before the search the the search firm that um kind of took this all on really was very transparent about. How they went about, you know, getting people going through resumes, then narrowing down to ten, then narrowing down even further, and um, how they landed on on these certain uh, the candidates that we ended up being able to interview. Um, so I was able to sit in. I think there were seven players. Um, uh, Megan Burke also sat in. So there were eight of us from the player side that, got to meet and, you know, communicate, discuss um, with these candidates and kind of ask them, get into the the nitty gritty of some of the stuff that's really important to the players and um, ask some hard questions. And I think, you know, players going forward are going to be vital to the growth of the league. And um, we did demand that we be a part of this commissioner search process last fall. Um, NWSL agreed to that. And I think that they saw that it was it was super important for us to be a part of it. And and they saw how um, I think how beneficial it can be when we all come together and, you know, take part in the decisions that are going to help the growth of the league
2: you mentioned it, a search committee of seven players, Breva Sally, Crystal Dunn, Kaylee Collins, Jane Campbell, Nicole Barnhart, Emily Menges, uh, yourself, and then Megan Burke, executive director of the PA. Um, you got to ask those questions. So what were you as a group? What questions were you asking? What were you looking for in your commissioner? Um,
0: gosh, we it ranged from anything from like, uh, personality type questions, you know, how do you deal with adversity? How do you deal with criticism? Um, what would your best friend say about you? And then it went even as far as what's the first thing you're going to do if you are named commissioner. Um, and it, and then I think um, also just trying to understand what their understanding is of a players association or a labor union and, and what that relationship looks like um, and how they're going to which I think is one of the, the biggest roles of the commissioner, how they're going to bring everyone to the table and and eventually find agreement. Um, even though we may disagree, we have to find the compromise and um, trying to ask them and really, really dig into that uh, because that's been an issue in the past. Um, there's a lack of trust there. Like in other leagues as well, it's, it's difficult for players to trust league and vice versa. And we're really trying to... Um, improve that, I think. And, and really asking those questions and, and how uh, we can we can make those improvements moving forward.
2: Yeah. Sandra mentioned, we did get a chance to speak with Jessica Berman about this. And one thing she was really passionate about was having those conversations, building that relationship. So ultimately this group of players and, and this search committee, you're interviewing all these different players and it comes down to it and you picked Jessica Berman. So what is it about her that excites you to be the NWSL commissioner?
0: Um, I think that her resume is super impressive. Um, I think she has a different, uh, I wouldn't say levels of experience, but she has experience in a, a big league like the NHL. And then she has what she, she has called multiple times, um, to us in our discussions, um, experience with a challenger league. And I think she's aware that, uh, the NWSL may be a, a little bit ahead of the NLL, um, as far as resources and visibility goes, but she has had to deal with a lack of resources and and do really well there. And it sounds like from her experience and, you know, our own research um, that she's done a really great job being deputy commissioner there that the NLL is really going to miss her not being a part of, of their league. Um, And I, I, so I think that she can kind of marry those two together and NWSL um, bring, bring that experience together and really help, Uh, you know, improve what needs to be improved in the NWSL. I think she'll have a good pulse on how to, how to marry that, uh, the different levels of resources and the different experiences that she's had on both sides with a lot of resources with NHL and even her um, experience with the labor disputes in NHL, but then also um, a challenger league like the NLL.
1: You know, as we're looking ahead a little bit to, to 2022, it really sort of feels a little bit like it, it might be this, this new chapter. I think that so many of us were waiting to sort of kind of turn the page on, right. There's now this announcement of a, uh, of a new league commissioner. The the first ever CBA was, was ratified. Uh, there are now uh, going to be 12 clubs in, in this league and, you know, instead of uh, 10 going through expansion. So uh, for someone in your position as you're sort of looking ahead uh, to 2022 and maybe even beyond, if you'd like, what, what are you most excited for uh, whether it's in this upcoming year or in the near future for NWSL?
0: Yeah. um, I guess, I don't know. Am I allowed to say this, but it is about damn time. Like these things, it's been 10 years and I wish it had been done sooner because when I look back and I think of some of the players who stopped playing, because of a lack of resources and benefits and things that, you know, the, the CBA will govern. Um, I wish it had been done sooner so we could keep some of those players around. Now, you know, things happen for a reason and we're at this point and we have to make the best of it. And I think we're doing that. Um, There was so much tragedy last year that we really, um, I think were able to voice what we, felt was best going forward. And I I think that has worked out very well so far, but there is a lot of work still to be done. And we're very well aware of that. This is not just a put out a statement um, and clean my hands of it or clean our hands of it. Um, There is really hard, hard work to be done, grassroots things that need to happen um, to stabilize, make a good foundation for this league that hasn't been there in the past. And I'm just happy that uh, players are really, you know, taking this responsibility on, on their shoulders.
1: You know, some, we're talking a lot about here in terms of your role specifically, right? And sort of how you have not necessarily emerged uh, as as a leader within different spaces of of the league, but something that we've been doing on attacking third, really stemming back into last month as a CBA was, was right. If I was talking to a lot of different players uh, about their reaction to, to, to the CBA, but I'd actually like to talk to you specifically about the PA as, as a whole uh, a little bit, you know, to sort of have those kind of humble beginnings of just sort of be, being a place where players can sort of have a supportive network, right. To finally becoming a full fledged, uh, actual like players union, right. Uh, going to negotiating tables, you know, bargaining for uh, you know, a, a new contract for you. What was your progression uh, in terms of uh, this leadership role that you have now find yourself in today?
0: Yeah, I think initially um, it, it was really, and I'm sure all of this news is out there, but um, our information is Yael, you know, she went around to each of the clubs and said, we, we would like to form a union. This is vital to the growth of the league. This is important for player security, all of that. And I think at the time, I want to say that was around 2016 at the time, national team players weren't going to be included in that. Um, I had been on the club for a while and, um, probably At that point, even though I was still mid 20s, probably one of the only returning players um, because there was so much turnover with our club that it was I just became probably an easy face to uh, communicate with. We had played together in the past as well. So we were comfortable with each other. And she just asked me to be a player rep. Um, If she had communication, um, she would reach out to me if there was anything going wrong. I could reach out to her. Um, very basic stuff. Um from there, it, it kind of turned into um, you know, I think it it was just a matter of being really responsive to Yael. I, I respect her so much and I respected what she was doing at the time, kind of on her her own time, in her own time when she was still playing, um, and really wanted to be a help. And I think that she appreciated that. So she asked me to take a, a bigger role at one point. Gosh, can't remember exactly when. 20 yeah 2017 ish um that's i think around the same time when brooke elby got more involved and she was amazing at you know going out and getting sponsorships she's now in business school she is really she's going to be a force to be reckoned with when she gets out of business school she's going to hit the ground running and do some really amazing things um but i think just after Brooke ended up going into business school, she retired because she had some really difficult um, experiences in our league as well. And she wanted to write those Um, became our executive director along with Yael. um, And I think that it was just an easy transition for me to kind of go into the president role. Um, I, I think that being in a leadership position like that, oftentimes Uh, When it is something new like that, you're kind of just called to it. It's not something I sought out. Um, It requires a lot of work, a lot of phone calls, and it can be exhausting at times. Um, And sometimes you just you have to do stuff that you don't really want to do. And um, I I wouldn't say I'm special in any means. I think there's so many other players out there that would do awesome in this role. Um, And they're, you know, they're going to have to once I retire. So I'm excited for that. Um, but it's really simple. Like it's not anything exciting how, how I've gotten into this role, but I've learned so much and I've loved, um, all of the interactions that I've had with our other, uh, executive committee members have created great relationship, relationships with them, great relationships with Megan, um, just the amount of progress that we've made in a short period of time. Is so impressive to me, and it's it's due in part to the amazing work of everybody that's been involved with the with the organization.
2: I love hearing how these things evolve because right around the ratification of the CBA, uh, we had a chance to speak with Yale and kind of about how it got started, and and she let us in on a, a little anecdote that it started as a group chat and then it kind of just snowballed into these things. So it's interesting that your role as president. Uh, uh, almost kind of happened like that as well. It's like it kept expanding and growing and you were there and you had the experience and the knowledge and you kind of stepped up to the plate to continue to do that. And um, as media covering this league and as a fan of this league and as a former player, Congratulations to you, Tori, because there is a CBA, first ever CBA in the league's history. um, And you were a huge part of that. It it was a long time coming. And finally, it happened before the 10th year of the league. Um, So congratulations to you. How was kind of that process and, and ultimately getting it announced, the ratification of the CBA before the 2022 preseason started? How was that for you?
0: Amazing. Um, I don't, I, it was down to the wire as it usually is. Um, but the fact that we were able to do it before preseason started, uh, gosh, we've said so many times, sense of relief. There's a sense of security there. It's like, finally, um, this has been a long time coming and just so excited for some of these young players that are going to enter our league and be safe. Um, That was one of our biggest things, you know, even from everything that happened last year, safety is so important. Mental health is so important. And I think we did really well in those areas um, when it comes to the CBA and just, just feeling like these, you know, I look at some of these rookies and spirit has a decent amount of them and even younger players, like they've only been in the league for three or so years. They're very young and Um, That's amazing. But I want them to have a spectacular appearance uh, experience in in our league and um, a really just great beginning to their career that they can be really proud of and and truly happy with. And I think that a CBA makes that a little bit easier.
1: You know, it's uh, it's really delightful to sort of hear from you specifically as the president of the PA to sort of talk about this, because what we were doing throughout the month of February was really celebrating uh, the cba on attacking third we challenged ourselves to do like a full 12 team uh, preview so we within that we're talking to a player from every club and we were asking them because we wanted to hear from them and celebrate this sort of historic achievement and everyone sort of you know said their piece on it and, and reacting to it uh so you know whether it's your your teammates you know your your, your peers, your, your colleagues, I guess at this point, we can refer to them when we're looking at and chatting with them about it. There are so many things within this actual CBA that we can just tie to direct player experience right mm-hmm. uh things yeah. within it that that discuss o- the obvious big ones of like you know minimum salary you know requirements uh the the context of parental leave uh you know things that address mental health and so many things in between and as someone who was very active right you know for the pa and in, in these negotiations is is there a particular uh point or detail within this C- cba that you're most proud of or that resonates with you yourself personally
0: yeah, the um, I've already touched on it, but the mental health article in in our CBA is um, it is going to be it's going to set a precedent. I think it, there's nothing like it in any other CBA that I've ever read. Um, having a mental health leave, paid mental health leave, is unheard of, um, and it was exactly as you're saying do in part because players were coming to our bargaining committee meetings, sharing their experiences and really just pushing the importance of not only our physical health, because we have, we have the health and safety article in there as well. Um, and certain, uh, medical professionals that need to be on staff, but also the mental health, um, mental health mental illness is a real problem, not just for athletes, um, for our entire world. And um, it is, a yeah, again, about time that we have something like that, some protection over things that can happen. They're tied, right? It's physical mm-hmm. and mental health are, are tied together. And um, it is, it's just important. And I'm really, really proud of the fact that we were able to negotiate for that.
2: I think it's such a huge point. I mean, as Sandra said, we asked so many different players what was important to them. And a lot of them said that because it is so important to really set that precedent for sports leagues and just companies across the world and and across everything. So CBA in place, five years of the CBA, you get four years with the new commissioner, Jessica Vernon. For you, Tori, when you look at uh, the next few years of the league, what goals do you have for the league?
0: That is a great question. Gosh, there have been so many goals that we've, you know, or so many, I guess, tasks, tasks that I've been able to check off my to-do list recently, which is great. Um, but you know, love
2: checking (laughs) off things off the to-do list, (laughs) right?
0: Don't you? Sometimes you just got to write something on there and then check it off something (laughs) you've already done. Um, but I think one of the, one of the things that always comes to mind is a really great broadcast deal. Um, and I think that <laughs> that might seem strange. Um, but I think that, you know, everything that all, all eyes point to that, or, you know, we get more eyes on the TV. If we, if we have something like that, when we have more games on, on TV on the weekend, it's more visibility. Um, when there's more people in the stands then more networks want to be a part of that um and it's just about you know being really nimble in that space which i think that the new commissioner is going to to be really great at and um you know i i really just think that that's that's our next step it's it is the visibility it is the um legitimizing of the league um being on tv for female sports is is super important. It's the next best step.
1: You know, it's um, coming off of, of 2021. Um, and We touched on it a little bit earlier in this episode, but, you know, it, there was almost a real fight at, at certain points to sort of feel like the players were trying to get their, their voices heard. And, you know, speaking earlier with, with Jessica Berman a little bit and speaking with you now, it, it sort of seems that the things that have sort of been coming up is that it's, it's a mutual priority, um, for both parties here to, to make sure that there's a good relationship between the league and its players to continue to build those lines of communications in order to foster continued good relationships. Is there a point now where maybe looking at things laid out in front as is, is whether it's yourself or, or your or your peers, where you're feeling like maybe now for the first time in a long time, voices are being taken into con- consideration and, and being heard?
0: I think so. Um, I definitely think so. I think that might just come with, um, you know, people that are in power positions are being very professional about um, how it is that they go about making some of these decisions and um, making them in isolation hasn't worked in the past. Um, Asking a player what her true experience is and what she would like to see. And then making the decision based on that is going to have an effect on that player, a positive effect. Um, and I think you even get the, um, you even, that is a way to build trust. Um, I think trust is something that's always talked about, but it's, um, it is, it requires action. And I think that that's what we're seeing. So not only are we taking part in these decisions, um, having taken part in those decisions is, uh, a direct effect of imp- an improvement in, in trust, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it does make sense, Tori. Um, thanks. I mean, you're letting us pick your brain so much on this, which has been your your world and consumed you over, I mean, the last few weeks and months, but years almost, it seems like, as the president of the PA, um and now I want to ask about you because you're a great player in this league on a on a great team. Um suffered a bit of an injury at the end of the 2021 season. How you doing? How you holding up with that?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. Um last year was a unprecedented and unprecedented year for me. Um as far as just everything I was having to manage mentally, emotionally, then physically. Um it was really difficult but um i think it was just kind of you know a reset a chance for reflection on why it is that i'm doing what i'm doing a lot of the stuff that i was doing off the field last year i am now seeing goodness i'm now seeing how important some of that work is um but yes i think with with my injury rehab is going going very well um i'm not trying to rush through the process I don't think that will help me, but, um, I am out in sunny California, so that's always great too. Um, but I'm going to be really excited to, to rejoin the team. I love being around them and also just kind of excited to be a bit of a fan for a while. Um, I'll certainly be involved from a, as much as I can be, you know, being three hours time difference behind, but, um, really excited to see how the challenge cup goes and how, you know, we can back up what we did in the fall, you know, winning a championship. Now we've, we've got a target on our back and, um, I think it's important that we push to, to repeat, you know, we can't be, um, complacent. It is time to gun for another championship. And, um, I'm just excited to see, to see what the team can do. And, um, also always available to, to help and assist any way I can, um, even though I'm having to, rehab, which is probably my biggest focus right
2: now. I love the vibe, sending good vibes across the country to Washington spirit, going, gunning for that two P looking to win the championship again. So you mentioned you're in California you're rehabbing there. Have you had a chance to kind of check in with your players? Are you, are you in touch with them? Are you really focusing on your individual rehab? And if you are checking in with them, how's it going for preseason for the spirit? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think, um, gosh, such a great problem to have but i think for probably 2 weeks of preseason we were missing 11 players um so which that's to national team duty which is amazing that's so so incredibly impressive um a huge props to all of the players that got called in and some of these younger players too i think that's great experience for them to have and only strengthens um us as a club um And I think, yeah, I have been checking in. I think, um, been checking in not only with players, but with staff. Um, I am lucky to be involved in some of the discussions in improving the club going forward too. Um, I think everything, you know, all the hard work and energy that we put into things last year, it can't be, um, there has to be action behind it. And it's going to be a, you know, a long process to improve things and, um, make things better, and player voice is always helpful, as I've said already. Um, so, yeah, I, they are doing—they're doing great. They're doing fine. Um, really missing them. It's—it's it's hard to be away. Um, definitely have some FOMO every now and then. But um, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm proud of everything that they have going on, and, and really excited to watch them in, in the Challenge Cup.
1: We're excited too. You know, you're, you're keeping an eye on your teammates. We're keeping an eye on the spirit as well. We're going to be excited to see what, uh, what the team is going to bring in 2022. This has been a delightful conversation, Tori, something that we do to to close out our uh, guest segments is we like to maybe have a, a little bit of fun, lighthearted question to sort of close out on things and you are addressing and handling preseason a little bit differently. Like you said, you're focusing on the rehab portion of it for yourself, but a common thread that's come up when we're talking to some of your other your peers or teammates across the league during preseason was concepts of like getting back into a rhythm getting back into a routine of things and that still comes into play when you're rehabbing back from an injury so i'm going to pitch you uh, the same question that we sort of been asking of other folks on the show when it comes to uh you know getting into uh, the routine of things and in, in a preseason is there like a, a go- to a it's a two- party a are you a coffee drinker and, and B if if you are or not uh, what is your sort of go-to like uh pre kind of scrimmage or pre-routine type of beverage pre pre or post it can be either or before or after. <laughs> This
0: is a great question. I had no idea where that was going to go. So I was a little nervous. Um, Sometimes when I get asked like the real personal, not personal questions, (laughs) but like, what's something we don't know about you? I can never think of anything. So um, this is a good one because I am very routine driven. Um, I like to know exactly what my schedule looks like uh, the day before, um, you know, and I think out here that has been top priority for me. I want to know exactly what my day looks like. And luckily I have rehab pretty much at the same time every single day, but, um, I am a coffee drinker. Um, I think most people know that even people who don't know me, I am a coffee snob through and through. Um, but I will get up in the morning. That is the first thing I do. I go grab my coffee. I actually go to the beach because this is something I know I won't have, um, come summer And I'm trying to take as much advantage of it as I can. So I have my coffee on the beach. I'll do my morning meditation there, come back, do uh, breakfast, get breakfast ready, get supplements ready. And then um, I go and I'm at rehab for three, sometimes three plus hours. um, And then I'm already into the evening after that. And that's kind of um, my day. So I'm a little boring at the moment, but it's really helping me stay on task and you know, float some calls all through that. Um, that's kind of yeah. That's that's where I'm spending most of my time. But um, coffee drinker, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Coffee Caffeine. drinker
1: on the beach too. That's like yeah. Best <laughs> the best, the best. Yes. <laughs> I like that. It is. I like that added component to it. Sometimes it's like we've heard a lot of different wide variety. It's like, oh, we like the just regular black coffee. Some people are more of a latte. We've had people expose themselves and say, listen, not a coffee drinker. We prefer teas or some other type of beverage to get the caffeine in it. But I like the the two components of coffee and a beach i love that uh we'd like to thank everybody at the end of our episodes for for listening so shout out to our audience for joining along with today's interview with tori huster tori thank you best of luck this year everybody you can follow us on twitter at attacking third for so much more we're on apple podcast spotify stitcher anywhere you listen to your podcast shows and we're also available as videos subscribe to us on youtube visit youtube.com slash attacking third for Sandra De Lisa Roman and Tori Fisher. This was the text.